want to just say, and I, I want to start this off by um, by saying that the topic that I'm talking about is certainly not anything that's new to me, but it's something that has been on my, my heart for years, uh, for over 30 years in particular, uh, when I first started social activism in the church, in the black church specifically, um, uh, protesting the silence that I've always heard um, in certain churches um, when it came to issues of social uh, situations going on in the community. And so I, I was raising these issues for years. And so a lot of this will tie in together. Um, but again, I won't be able to cover everything today so that we can make sure that we stay on point. And uh, I'm going to share my screen because today I, I just want to share with you my perspective. I, I, I am like many of you, absolutely sick and tired of seeing our people killed, whether it's um, through any types of gun violence, any type of violence in general, um, but especially when it comes to our children, those zero to 12 who are uh, impacted by this. Um, I know it impacts me. I know what it does to me and my stress level when I see it and I hear it. I can only imagine what the families go through who uh, have experienced all this. And so I'm going to share with you my perspective. And again, for those on IG, you won't see the slides, but I do have them um, uh, on my on, on We Nation Radio Facebook page and the Uncle Devin Show Facebook page. So if you want to see them as I go through, this is a social action tribute to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and DC's Junkyard Band. A social action tribute to Dr. King uh, Jr. and Reverend Dr. King, uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and DC's um, Junkyard Band. For those that are not familiar with Junkyard Band, I'll explain a little bit more to you about them, but they are a local DC group uh, that uh, features the, the indigenous music of Washington, DC, and that's uh, go-go music. But nonetheless, we'll, we'll go. And my objective today in a very short period of time is to show Dr. King's stance on violence in the United States and abroad. Uh, an aspect that I believe many people uh, in, in this country tries to, tries to underplay and only want to keep him confined to a certain period of his life, uh, 1963 and earlier. But they don't want to talk about his transformation over the last four years of his life uh, five years of his life before he was um, murdered and assassinated. So I want to talk about his stance on violence. And then I want to discuss the meaning of the song, The Word by Junkyard Band and connect that, connect those two uh, and why we're picking, uh, why I chose to use these particular two. And then I want to show how our cultural and political expressions can merge to solve the problems of violence in our community uh, and the world. Now, anyone that knows me knows, knows that I don't believe in just sitting here talking about a problem and not being part of the solution and the action. And in fact, I came up with this theory several years ago. It's called Uncle Devin's PSAs. The PSAs simply represents problem, solution, action. And I'm going to give you two perspectives of it. Underneath a racist capitalist system that puts profit before people, when the issue of a problem comes up, comes up, that's the biggest thing that they focus on, problems. We know that there's problems. There's the problems that are here. But inside of a system that focuses on individualism um, and, and personalities, 
there's a few solutions that people will bring about, but the action is very small because typically uh, the action is based on trying to get one or a few people to solve it. So typically in the United States, it's about just um, uh, vote for me and we'll solve your problems. And it never happens. Um, and let's focus on this particular personality, whether it's a professor, whether it's a, a minister or what have you. And you can't just put it on one one person or a small group of people. This is the way uh, when we're talking about organizing under a racist capitalist system, that's how the PSAs are viewed. Big problem, little solution and a smaller action. Whereas when we focus it from a system that places people before profits, then you have the problem that is there, but then you have the solutions. And there are generally more than just one solution. And then there's the action. But the key is this. It's not determining a solution. And, and, and for example, if I have a problem and I determine a solution and the solution is for you to do something and me to do nothing, then that's part of the problem. How many times you all have been to any type of meeting? I don't care if it's at your job, at your, at your church, at your community center. And there's always that person that just talks about the problem. But they never have a solution. They never want to talk about the solution. And if they do, well, what y'all need to do is y'all need to fix this. No, we're talking about what we must do, what we all have a responsibility to do. And so in this particular context, that's what I'm bringing to you. I'm not just talking about a problem and then saying what everybody else is going to do. I'm letting you know what I'm doing. And I would love to know what you're doing and we can work together. But it's not about me telling you what you should be doing or anything like that. Um, that's not the whole purpose of this. So what I want to do is um, talk about a problem. And if you notice, I say a problem, not the problem. But a problem is that of all firearm deaths in nearly two dozen populous high-income countries, including Australia, France, Italy, Spain, and the United Kingdom, 82% occur in the United States. Why don't you not say that? 82% of all those firearm deaths happen here in the United States. And 91% of the children ages 0 to 14 killed by firearms in this group, uh, in this group of nations, were right here in the United States. So we're talking about children, 0 to 14, the vast majority, 91% of all those gun deaths are here in the United States. Uh, we have another problem, and it kind of is a similar problem, but it's all connected. Among U.S. residents aged 15 to 24, homicide is the fourth leading cause of death for non-Hispanic whites. So we're talking about four. Four, uh, 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 I guess, yeah, the fourth leading cause of death for non-Hispanic whites um, uh, is, uh, is homicide. The second leading cause of death for Hispanics and the First, let me make sure, the leading cause of death for non-Hispanic Blacks. Let's go back over again. So out of, um, among all the residents ages 15 to 24, homicide, not anything else, but homicide is the fourth leading cause of death among our white community, uh, second leading among our Latino community, and number one in the Black community. Okay, that's this that's problem. I'm going. I'm just going to list three problems, I, and I'm going to focus a little bit here on Washington D.C. But I guarantee you, it exists everywhere uh, that we we focus on. That Washington D.C. 
accounts for the greatest percentage of child deaths by firearms, where 10.8% of those who die under age 20 are victims of gun violence, right here in the nation's capital where I'm at. So pardon me for adding a little um, local statistics, because this is where I'm at, but I, it, it definitely hits home. This last couple of weeks, we've seen a, a six-year-old killed, uh, a shot rather, we've seen an eight-year-old shot, we've seen a 13-year-old killed. Um, the numbers keep going. It's just, it's ongoing, it's staggering. And I'm tired of it. I know you're tired of it. And I believe that there's an elephant in the room that we're not talking about that is actually preventing us from finding the true solution. And that's what I wanna speak to you about today. And I would like to start it with asking, and perhaps many of you all have listened to this. I would ask and encourage everyone to go to YouTube and Google Beyond Vietnam, a time to break the silence. This was a message delivered by the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. And on his birthday, I wanna say happy birthday, Dr. King. And this is probably the most significant message he has ever delivered. But of course, in a racist capitalist system, they want to pick the most, uh, what, what would be the least significant uh, in his life. They want you to think he all he had, all he had was a dream, and that's all they will they will they will freeze him in time in nineteen uh, in nineteen sixty three. But they don't come to the part where Dr. King's mind mind was um, was radicalized and was um, I don't even say radicalized. He was transforming. He was evolving, and he had evolved to a space that scared the mess out of him and caused them to uh, want to kill him, and they did kill him. But if you take a look at this speech, he, he was speaking in 1967, the year I was born. So don't mind laughing, I'm not one of them old jokes uh, being popped in here. And in 1967, the United States was, already, was in the midst of being a part of the Vietnam War. Now, at the same time in the United States, segregation uh, was taking place, was rampantly taking place. Um, we saw um, discrimination um, and, and so many different things that were going on. And as all people do who are under uh, oppressive conditions, we resist. Sometimes it's organized, sometimes it's unorganized, but we always resist. Resistance is a natural part of any oppressed people's response to any type of oppression. And so in the cities, young folks were Get, setting off Molotov cocktails. They were burning down buildings. They were turning over cars. They were doing all these things to deal with the conditions that were going on in the community. Now, Dr. King, who took a uh, nonprofit, not profit, who took peace as a principle and not a tactic. When you take something as a principle, that means it doesn't change. It means that you must always uh, maintain that principle. Whereas if it's a tactic, Okay, I will use peace if it works, but if it doesn't, I will use violence to bring about my solution. That's the difference between principle and tactic. Dr. King took it as a principle stance and went to the young people in the community and said, listen, you all need to put down, put down the, 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 uh, the Molotov cocktails. You need to stop the violence. You need to um, come together in love. And all the young folks, especially through the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee and other organizations, the Black Panther Party, they said, well, Dr. King, that's cool, but what about all those who, I mean, what about the United States using violence to solve its problems in Vietnam? 
you haven't said or did anything to address that issue. And I apologize for those on IG. I see for some reason it's, it's stalling, but uh, hopefully it'll, it'll pick back up. Um, uh, what are you talking about? There we go. It should be coming back on. And so, sorry about that for those on IG. I don't know what just happened. So Dr. King, the, the young folks said they were asking him very specifically, why are you, you telling us to, to stop the violence, but you're not speaking out against the United States use of violence. And I want to point out two quotes from this speech that I'm going I'm to beg you to watch, listen to, even if you've heard it before, go back and listen to it again. Just you put, it, put it up on YouTube. Dr. King said two quotes that I want to share with you. That when the, when the, when the youth asked him that, this particular question about, um, you haven't spoken out against Vietnam, but you're telling us to put the, violence, uh, put the guns down. He said their questions hit home. And I knew that I could never again raise my voice against the violence of the oppressed in the ghettos without having first spoken clearly to the greatest purveyor of violence in the world today, my own government. Did you hear what Dr. King said? I'm, it's very key pieces in this. He says that I, uh, I he said he said I could never again raise my voice against the violence in the oppressed ghettos without first spoken clearly to the greatest, not the, not the second, not the third, he said the greatest purveyor of violence in the world today, my own government. He was speaking of the United States government. He delivered that speech on April 4th, 1967. I maintain, and so do many other, others, that that's why they killed him on April 4th, 1968, because he was now making a connection that they didn't want us to make. It was fine if you only was focusing on civil rights, but when you started to connect this thing to the world, we had a problem. And so I want to point this quote out. And then I also want to point out another quote that he mentioned, that a nation that continues year after year to spend more money on military defense than on program programs of social uplift is approaching spiritual death. OK, so. Let's take a look at this. We hear a lot of people telling our young people to put the guns down, stop the violence, and we need to. I'm 100% behind that. We have to do that. But what the young people hear or don't hear and unconsciously understand is that you're telling us to put it down. But wait a minute, what about the United States to this day that have military bases around the world that are financing um, this huge war right now in Ukraine uh, and, you know, and, and against Russia. And I'm going to show you some statistics that many people may not know because ma the major media don't talk about this because they are controlled and owned by the same defense contractors that actually are getting the majority of this money. And so Martin Luther King didn't just talk about a problem. He became part of the solution. Remember, we talk about problem, solution, action. He didn't sit back and just wait. He started and announced on November 1967, the Poor People's Campaign. And it was a, a staff retreat uh, at a staff retreat uh, for the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. And again, this was in, 19, in November of 1967. And he started to, to put this Poor People Campaign together, saying that why are we spending all this money on military? When there's no social programs, how are we supposed to how are children and youth supposed to survive when there's no housing, when there's no education, when there's no health care, when there's no social system to be able to help them to thrive? And so I don't know if you paid attention, but a couple of weeks ago, a joint and united Congress, both Democrats and Republicans, 
passed the Consolidated Appropriations Act. 2023. It was signed by President Biden on December 29th, 2022. This was that this was to help make sure the government did not uh, close. And this consolidation, I want to share with you, this is primarily coming through, I believe, the discretionary fund of the United States. The United States has primarily two different types of, of, uh, of, of budget. You have the discretionary fund, which represents about 30 percent of the uh, of the U.S. budget, and then there's the mandatory fund. Mandatory fund. The mandatory uh, fund is, is by law. These are things that have to go into that. So when you you know you combine those, but in this particular uh, consolidated appropriations bill, or what they call the omnibus bill, this is what was in this bill, and many people may have seen it and didn't pay attention. Fifty three percent of the, the one point seven trillion dollars that went to uh, that was in this bill went to the defense uh, industry, went to the de defense spending. That's $858 billion, almost a trillion dollars at a time when they're it, well beyond the Cold War, well, long before there's supposed to be or there is any wars or any type of active wars in, in the world. On the other hand, 47% of this discretionary bill went to non-defense spending, which means Anything that was not defense had to divide up the other 43%, uh, the health care, uh, the Medicaid, uh, the, the Social Security, and all those types of things, or, or education. They have to now fight and divide up 47%, whereas 53% goes to the, uh, the Defense Department. I maintain that if we want to stop the violence, we have to put more money into the social programs that will let children know that we love them. Love is not just a word. It's an action. And an action means things that you do. And what's the saying that our, our, our money is where our heart is? Well, in this country, the history of this country is violence. It always has been. It started with the, the theft and the rape and the murder of indigenous people in this country. It continued with the slavery of African people and other people around the world. It continues with a huge mass of, of, of money that still goes to these wars around the world. And let me show you what the overall budget looks like. This is the overall U.S. spending budget. And I have links and I can share with you where I'm taking all this information from. When you look at the overall United States budget, the United States military receives about 22% of that overall budget. Okay. Social Security gets 15.998%. So, and we all hear, and there's always talk that, well, will there actually be uh, any type of Social Security when we get older? Okay. Medicare, 14, roughly about 15%. I'm going to round them up as I go. Health, 14%. Uh, there's other in, uh, things like net income and income security get, get each about 7%. General government. So just keeping the basic government, general government gets 4%. Now, Defense Department gets 22%. I want you to keep that in mind. Education, training, employment, and social services are all capped together. That's education, training, employment, and social services. They get 3% of the U.S. budget. The military gets 22%. When we see these young people killing each other, it's equivalent to them burning down their own cities. 
It's equivalent to them saying to us in their own way that you all don't love us because you're not investing time and money in us. We cannot think that just, just telling young folks to put the guns down and then don't offer them anything as an alternative to build up these communities. Many of them living in abject poverty. Some of them living in, in uh, some of them are homeless. Uh, a good, I believe, I can't remember the statistics, but the number of homeless children right here in Washington, D.C., the last I remember was somewhere, of all the homeless people, 50% were children. Let me put it that way, somewhere to that extent. <clears throat> so when we talk about education, and you think about what, what's going on in our schools, how we don't pay teachers enough, how we don't pay um, uh, administrators enough, school budgets to this day, most of their budgets have to rely on gambling. You have to go and play the lottery in order to get gambling money. And there are statistics that will show that a very few of those dollars ever reach the poor communities where it's needed. Um, and, and I think it's like the top 10% of those that play the lottery actually represent 40% of all the funds that they get. So it's a small group of people and the vast majority of them are black and poor. And they keep recycling and that money keeps recycling out of our community into other communities. And so Dr. King said, any nation that spends more money on its military than it does on social programs would die a spiritual death. And look what's happening here. Look at the types of murder we have. Look at the, I mean, just the, the, the horrific, uh, the, it's like people don't even have a conscience. And Dr. King was very prophetic about this uh, in 1967. And I want to share another uh, piece with you. Right now, the United States spends 700, and, well, it, well, I'm sorry, I mentioned $858 billion this year. The stat, the, the, the stat that I'm showing up on my screen here, uh, and for those that are watching on, on Facebook, um, uh, is from 2020. So from 2020, 2020 the, the defense budget was $732 billion. It's ballooned all the way up to $858 billion. They got $45 million more than what they asked for. Now, name me a, a department that ever gets that. But nonetheless, that money, the, the, the Defense Department, uh, seven, I'm using the 2020 numbers now, $732 billion. If you add all the defense spending by China, India, Russia, Saudi Arabia, France, Germany, U, uh, United Kingdom, Japan, South Korea, and Brazil, you add all of those up, it doesn't even equal what the United States spends on its military. Um, in fact, uh, I think I have the, the, the numbers here somewhere, but the United States represents um, over, uh, I mean, uh, uh, I think their military, well, I, I'll come to this, this. I don't want to start um, uh, just throwing things out. I have it in order and I'm going to continue to go in order. And so one of the things that I've been noticing is that there has been a push to get people to, 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 to get to, uh, to move the money from the Pentagon into the social programs. I'm telling you that there's no other way that we're gonna solve the problems unless we meet it with love. Children and our youth need love. Our communities need love. Our seniors need love. Love is where you're, and, and, and you, you show your love is where your money is. This country loves war, but the everyday people love health. They love housing. They love um, uh, being able to eat and take care of themselves. That's the vast majority of people, and, and the money is, is going to those, those places. There's an organization called the U Union of Concerned Scientists, and you can look this up on December 14, 2022. 
they have this report that you need to read. It's called Defense Spending Reaches Record High, I mean, Record High, as the Pentagon fails its audit for the fifth time. Let me explain this. You know, you know how you sometimes if the IRS come after you and they say you do, they want to audit you for the, to, to see if, you, if all your records are straight. The United States has never the Defense Department rather has never failed. I mean, has never passed an audit. They cannot account for 61 percent. Of their of their of what they have. In fact, let me see if I have that other statistic here. Um, I, I went back to, I'll come back to that. Okay. Yeah, it has uh, the, 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 I mean, they can't account for 61% of it. They've never passed uh, uh, an audit. They cannot tell you where all the, where all the money, where all the resources. We do know that the United States sells 35% of the world's arms around the world, far extending it beyond anyone else. But when you look at these guns that are popping up in the in the black communities and in the, in the in the different cities around this country, how do we not know that these guns are not coming from this uh, from the Defense Department where the money is? I mean, where they can't even account for it. They can't even count. So they can't say it isn't coming from them because they don't know. And uh, Congresswoman Barbara Lee, along with another congressperson last year, proposed what they called the Pentagon. I mean, the people over Pentagon bill. This is a bill where they were saying that we need to reduce the, the defense the, the budget by $100 billion. Okay, of course it didn't go anywhere. Um, but nonetheless, I was glad to see that they even had a bill like this to be able to redirect this money like Dr. King had mentioned. So I'm gonna speed up so I won't be too long. And I mentioned, I mentioned this because we talk about get, put down the guns, we need to stop the guns, but guess what? What was the, the number one grossing movie last year in, 19, in 2022? Top Gun. <laughs> what type of contradiction are we sending to our children? We take our children to the movies and we watch and we celebrate uh, while we blow up and kill people through, through militarism. And yet we come back and tell them, don't solve your problems through the gun. Don't solve your problems through violence. If that's the case, if it's good for them, it's good for the United States. That's what Dr. King was speaking about. And so um, I want to now go to the connection between Dr. King and the junkyard ban. And I'm going to wrap this up in just a minute. And yes, Paris, it is insane. It is absolutely insane. Uh, we've been living in an insane country. Um, we, we were born, we were birthed, we were robbed, we were stolen, we were raped. We were all at inside of this insane uh, uh, country. Junkyard ban is a go-go ban out of Washington, D.C. They were started, I believe, in the early 80s. And when they started, they, these were young people that were preteens and teenagers coming out of a very poor community in Berry Farms, Southeast DC. Berry Farms was one of the first established um, housing, housing units by the federal government. Um, in fact, uh, uh, General, uh, I always forget his name, General, General Howard. I know, Miss um, Nikki, if you, if you know, cause you know, you went to Howard University, the same um, Howard, uh, General Howard, whose Howard University is named after. They get, gathered this land from a slave master and they put blacks in this particular part of the city back in the early 18, I mean, the mid 1800s. Well, junkyard is a product of that. All, all they coming out of this particular community. They wrote a song in 1985 called The Word. Now, for purposes of copyright, I cannot um, share 
uh, any of that information right now. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, just because I'm on IG and on uh, Facebook, but I'm going to ask that you go to the, go to YouTube and type in the word by Junkyard Band. And I want you to listen to that song. Junkyard Band started because they could not afford instruments. So they used everything that they had around them from hubcaps to crates, um, went to the junkyard, just got all these different instruments and they started them a band. And in this particular band, they um, uh, they created this song called uh, Reagan. I mean, called The Word. Now, I want to show you what this what it starts off with. Let me close this out, Carletta. Thank you, Carletta, for sharing that. It says. Man, Reagan making bombs with all the money these days. Yeah, man, my sister can't even get no school loans. My grandmother can't even get no food stamps, man. Dang. Well, that's the word these days. And then the music starts. Now, in D.C., we call it cranking. So they started cranking the music. And then you hear a little voice, one of the children's voices. You can tell he's probably like 12 years old. He started singing, talking about W-O-R and a D. And everybody else said, talking about the word. And they were talking about this was the word. Now, these children in 1985 was talking about something that was very pivotal. They started saying, um, talking about W-O-R and a D. And then the second part of what, what they said was, now, my mama went down to the food stamp place. She was looking like a tramp. They cut her off and they cut her back and said, this program will be rewired. They said rerouted. It sounded like he's saying rewack. I didn't know what he said back in the day. And she said, what's happening? What's the word? Um, and it says, "Miss, hey, miss, haven't you heard? The trench is getting deep for you and your honey. Reagan gave the Pentagon the food stamp money. And one of the main response, uh, re uh, references in this song was Reagan making bombs. Reagan making bombs. They were talking about Reaganomics and how Reagan came in and they were saying how Reagan came in and put all this money into the Defense Department. Now, at that time, for them to be able to do that was huge. But let me just say that this is not a Democrat Republican thing, that both the Democrats and Republicans have closed their eyes and have constantly just poured more money into the defense at the behest of people's social needs. Another part of the song that they sung they said, now Farmer Brown can't sell his crops because the springtime floods. Mr. Reagan won't give him no aid and said, hey, you got to sell your mud. And he said, uh, let me see if I got here. OK. And he said, what's happening? What's the word? He said, Mr. Brown, haven't you heard? The trench is getting deeper for you and your buddy. Reagan gave the Pentagon Farmer Brown money. I want you to understand that these were children and teenagers that made the direct connection between money going to Defense Department versus social programs 20 years after Dr. King's Beyond Vietnam speech. And I will share with you one last uh, verse that they put out. Now they took our land and they took our home and we gotta find another place. The government is moving in to build an Air Force base and who said, What's happening? What's the word? You mean people, haven't you heard? The future's looking dim, so don't even plan. Reagan gave the Pentagon the money and the land. This is, I, I will argue anyone down, that the most important social protest song in go-go history. 
And trust me, I love the uh, the protest song, and it's is is just as good. Uh, Don't mute DC. I, I love Pure Elegance and 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 Backyard and all that. Thank you so, and that's that's important too. I'm not trying to stack one over the other, but this one here, it spoke to both race and class. And coming from young people who uh, grew up in the uh, in, in the poor slums, and if you go back and look at Berry Farms today, they just closed down Berry Farms. I think it was last year. They displaced, um, and they, they I think it was a total of thirty two different housing units there, and the people were given just thirty days to get out, and now and then they were able to fight and put together a petition. And they preserved the last five of these buildings in, in Southeast DC. They're now, it's now a historic site. But I'm gonna see if I can find the link. I, I should have had it here or check my, my, my pages later. I'm gonna be posting information about an excellent documentary about the history of Berry Farms. Just look it up, the, uh, the Berry Farms Community Project or something to that extent. I gotta pray, give, give a junkyard, uh, and I take my hat off to them for, for, making this connection at a time when things in DC were really, really, really bad in the 1980s. They were ultimately signed by Def Jam Records in 1986. And, um, and so uh, once they did that uh, it, it, in, in 1986, they, um, uh, they were signed by Def Jam Records and that was really, really a, a very important part. So what we have next is then what do we do now? Um, Junkyard, by the way, is still performing as a group to this day, 40 something years later, and you can still hear them sing that song. In fact, DC's mayor, Mario Bowser, in 19, in 2018, declared January 15th as Junkyard Day. And reading an article that they, that they, uh, reading an article about Junkyard on that day, they said it was only logical for them to have to sing the song, the word, on that particular day. So this is why I'm making that connection between Dr. King and the Junkyard Band. And as I mentioned, the best way to honor anyone is to continue their work. So I talked about the problems. I talked about two uh, entities, Dr. King and the Student uh, Southern Christian Leadership Conference, the Junkyard Band, and how they were addressing the issue. I want to share with you how I plan on addressing this issue as I wrap up. Uh, thank you for, uh, for holding, holding uh, still for me. What we need is gun control, but we need gun control at the Pentagon. Dr. King said, I, I cannot, I can no longer speak to the violence in the ghettos without first speaking out against the greatest purveyor of violence in the world today, the United States government. Um, and I, this shirt I found somewhere online where it says gun control begins at the Pentagon. I'm getting one of these shirts. And this is why. The United States has 750 military base sites estimated in over 80 plus foreign countries and colony territories. I want to repeat that. 750 military base sites in over, seven, or, or, or over 80 plus foreign countries and colony territories. This represents 75 to 85% of all military bases in the world. This country is all over the, in a, in a time that's supposed to be peace, when the country is not in any particular war. Um, and I'm going to share some other statistics. Um, 119 base sites in Germany, 119 in Japan, 73 in South Korea, 44 in Italy. Can you imagine Belgium 
having a military base in in um, uh, in Camp Springs, Maryland, or um, the Netherlands having a base uh, in Atlanta. Can you imagine what that will even feel like as a country to have an, another country to be in your your country like this? And we haven't even begun to talk about not only the monetary cost, but the the actual cost, the crimes and accidents. Uh, and there's a site called the overseasbases.net where I'm getting this information from. The, the amount of exploitative prostitution and sex trafficking linked to bases, uh, base places such as South Korea. Crimes and accidents, including rape, murder, and other crimes and military accidents, they anger local communities, incite protests, um, as in Okinawa, uh, and damage the international reputation of the United States, which to me, I think it was already damaged. Um, and uh, they have so many great uh, uh, notes in this particular piece. What I'm saying is, if we're talking about violence, we, we would be hypocritical to only focus on it on our community and not talk about the violence that's taking place around the world. If we have cameras on local police forces, we need cameras on our on the U.S. foreign police forces that are on these 750 military bases. Um, many people don't realize a couple of weeks ago, the United States bombed Somalia. Very little uh, coverage of that. Uh, what's going on in Africa through the AFRICOM uh, program um, uh, on, the, on, the, on the continent of Africa is horrendous. Um, and when we take a look at what's going on in this country, as I truly wrap up, is the fact that the immigration pro 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 problem that we have is a direct result of all of this, because the United States has a history of going into other countries, destabilizing them and enforcing many of, those, the, many of them to flee. And where do they come? They come to the United States. And so what I'm saying is we need a, a movement. We need a new movement. We need um, uh, thank you, Wendy, for um, uh, for tuning in and, and congratulations on your uh, Grammy nomination. Good luck to you and the Grammys. Um, what we need is a movement uh, and there are movements already out there. But we need and my whole thing is a gun control at the Pentagon. I'm not going to sit here and beat up the young people without without speaking out against violence. Uh, that this country and this nation does. It's insane for the military budget to be what it is. We need to move the money. We need to move the money. There's already campaigns out there that are speaking about moving the money. I didn't come up with that term. You'll, you can Google it. And there's some other wonderful organizations that are already doing something around this. But what I'm asking you to do, first and foremost, I'm going to come back next, uh, pretty much next Sunday, I believe I, I am. I don't think I have anything scheduled. And we're going to continue to have this discussion. But the first thing is we need to move the money. Find out who your local and state and, and federal representatives are. And we need to start pushing them to move this money. If we are truly going to stop the violence in our community, we got to move the money. If you're an artist, find your own unique way to speak to this issue. If you're a poet, write a poem. If you're a singer, sing about it. Or you might even still do your, your music and find another way to, to join an organization fighting for this. I always say for those in the churches, we really need to do this. We talk about we represent uh, people in the church represent the, the prince of peace, but we keep um, uh, we keep supporting the emperor of war. That's what Dr. King was speaking about and why he was killed. If you love Dr. King, continue his work. If you love this song by Junkyard and what these young children were teaching us back then, we got to move the money. And I'm asking you and I will be sharing with you over the next year, over the next two years, however long it takes the actions that I'm taking to help move the money. I'm starting with the work that I do. 
creating music, co creating coalitions, supporting organizations um, as we move, uh, as we continue to move the money. And with that, I'm going to um, I'm going to stop. I'm going I'm to quickly glance to see if there was any particular comments in some of the, the chat. But um, in honor of Dr. King on his birthday today, um, this is uh, on my heart because we're losing too many of our, our children. And the elephant in the room uh, is the fact that we're not speaking out against this. M most of these police departments are getting military, uh, military funds. I think my buddy told me it was called the 1099 program. They got so much funds, they don't know what to do with it. So all of the police forces in the United States, they got tanks. And, and I mean, we got stuff that you don't even know, think what a city would even need. A friend of mine who's on this call told me that when she went and took a look at um, in her city, they have a silo where they got two huge tanks that this little small city has and they've never used it. They just got it because they got all this excess. Let's move the money. I believe if the Pentagon can't account for 61 percent of its money, we need to cut the, the defense budget by 61 percent. If we did that, they still will probably outpace all the other countries in defense uh, preparedness. So. Uh, I'm going to end it there. Um, and if you have any comments or questions, you can always put it in the chat. Um, I did not add my uh, contact information. I'm sorry um, to my social media team. Let me see if I can add that to it real quick. But you can always reach me at um, two, uh, at I'm sorry at drum at theuncledevinshow.com. That's drum at theuncledevinshow.com. And you can. Also, um, text, you know, reach out to me on social media. You can go to our website at theuncledevinshow.com. I should have had these banners up and ready. But um, thank you for taking this time. And I want to know what you're doing, because I don't want to sit here and assume that you're not doing anything. People are doing some great, great things. And I would love to be able to support and be a part of that. So share with us the work that you're doing um, and we can move forward from there. Uh, thank you, Susie Music. Thank you, uh, Tom, for, show for sh showing up. Billy Holiday's protest song, Strange Fruit, is absolutely powerful. Thank you. And um, I look forward to catching up with you all soon. And as I always say, look, uh, life is a drum. So let's beat it. Thank you for, thank you for tuning in.